Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Karen Clark. Welcome, Karen. Hello. <laughs> glad to be here. I am so glad you are. Karen is the owner of Trauma Bakes, an online bakery which was started as a gift of healing to herself and others during the widespread and ongoing trauma of the pandemic. She says, cakes, cookies, and sweet treats always make you feel better, and I couldn't agree more. Karen was going through a lot of changes, which most people would consider traumatic like dealing with past hurts from a painful childhood, being cut off from her family of origin, empty nesting after years of raising and homeschooling her children, getting back into the workforce, and then losing her job due to COVID lockdowns. Her daughter got married and moved overseas, which meant separation when travel was restricted, and she was approaching her 50th birthday. But as you'll hear today, Karen is learning to refocus and rechannel her energies into things that bring her joy like her faith in God, her 30-year marriage to Shannon, cooking, entertaining friends, traveling, studying different cultures, learning to speak, read, and write Korean, and meeting new people. Karen, I see you as smart, wickedly funny, resourceful, thoughtful, generous, and kind. How do you see yourself? Oh. <laughs> I think resourceful, uh, resilient, uh, I definitely think creative, we just said resourceful, didn't we? I don't know. I hope, I hope I'm a kind person. I hope I'm a thoughtful person and a caring person. Um, And I don't know, probably, I I do think I'm funny, but uh, it's a, a great coping mechanism. Um, So how do you think that that view in you was formed? I think when, when I think back, um, even into my childhood, I was, uh, I think the term, the term they use now is parentified. So I was very responsible at a very young age and, um, it pro it felt quite heavy. I don't know that I could have articulated it then, but it felt very heavy. And I also felt very much that I needed to be, um, probably perfect is probably, I was going to say productive and a a few other things, but basically just in order to be appreciated or cared for or loved, I needed to be fulfilling this role that, that I was being put in, um, with excellence. But because that's heavy or hard, I would look for things, you know, I very much was, um, in my, in my mind a lot, using my imagination, going off to places, but also just finding ways to laugh at things. And I I think I learned early on that I loved the feeling of how it is just to laugh really hard. It's a great release. And um, I think you, I don't know how or when, but you just kind of figure out at some point how to make light of things that almost feel too difficult to process sometimes or things that you can't change. If you have to live through them, if you have to go through them, then you you need to have some humor about it to make it survivable. Maybe that's... What kind of things do you think are funny? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. 
I could probably like, make everything funny yeah, if you give say, me a chance. That's what I was gonna say. It seems Anytime like you, you mess yeah. up or fail, you should definitely make a you should definitely joke about it. Um, I think I'm always looking for how to make fun of whatever's going on. Um, there is a bit of sarcasm that, you know, I use because I think sarcasm and humor, sarcasm can be cruel and unkind, but I think when used the right way, plays into that humor thing. It's just a great way to laugh things off. I agree. So did somebody notice that you were funny or did you just do it because that was your way of coping? I mean, did anybody encourage you in that or Um, did you follow the lead of someone else who was funny in your family? I mean, my husband who I met in high school and all of our friends that I saw at school were um, very much like that. My husband's incredibly witty, very quick witted. So I did have to actually hone my skills to be able to hang with him. But um, so, and of course now my children being their father's children are also (laughs) this way. So it's even how our family operated while I was raising the kids, the humor is just, I mean, and to be honest, I think my son is probably the funniest human I know, like the funniest, (laughs) wittiest person I know. And my husband's just right behind him. My daughter's hilarious also, but what's really lovely about my daughter is she doesn't, she's really funny. And she does have a great sense of humor, but a lot of times she's really funny and doesn't mean to be. <laughs> oh, that's even better. But I think I'm a little bit like that too. So I think that ability also to just laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. Not Don't take life too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. When did you learn that? Because as a perfectionist, and I'm also struggling to overcome that, I'm the last person to laugh at myself. Well, I think my husband was probably very big on this. <laughs> I mean, we, we do choose these, they do marry these people and they do, um, part of their job is to help us become better people. <laughs> so he, there was a lot of, there was a lot of commentary throughout our marriage. Even now he'll say to me, you're too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You taking this too seriously. You don't have to do this. He's that, that sort of voice of sanity. But I think that was part of the process. And I just think there was something, I I wish I knew exactly what it was. Sometimes I think it's just because God was there Mm -hmm. is that I had to figure out these things in order not to be overcome. Yes. I've always had a desire to really enjoy life. And I've always managed to have, even in very heavy, hopeless moments, have some hope of this won't last there'll be something better I'll laugh again and of course as you live the more experiences that you have the more you know I'm going to get to the other side of this and there's going to be a great period that comes there's probably going to be another rough patch but I think there was some sense of like I can I can get out of this or I can be happy later or I can have this at some point and I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes um, I can make myself content with whatever. Sometimes I don't need to do that. Sometimes I need <laughs> to push out of that. But I try to find that. I think early on I had a friend who um, introduced me to Mary Inglebright, and she had a poster that said, Bloom where you're planted. And I just really embraced that because I had a choice to either be miserable. Yes. Or because I don't get today and I don't get tomorrow over again. And so 
even on some of the worst days, I'm always trying to find how do I have this one moment or what was this one moment in the less than ideal. Every once in a while you get bogged down and you kind of like need to shake that off. But you re it's something I think it's really important to work at because it's just not easy. Life is just not easy for anyone. So... I think your sense of humor was one of the things that drew me to you. The first time I met you, your ability to laugh at uh, at the group that we were in just was so delightful. It was so much fun. And I didn't know until you told me how difficult things had been for you. But I think your ability to um, be more objective about the things that happened to you and to be able to laugh at them helps you to be much more real and authentic. And you were very easy to get to know. You, when, you know, when we began to have conversations, you opened right up to me. And um, that was a special gift. And I really appreciate that. And I think that humor was the vehicle that made that happen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I do. That is something I really want to be. I think there's a lot of, um, especially in the world we live in now, putting on a face. Yeah. I Obviously, there's a certain amount you just don't share right up. You don't want to overshare and scare people. But I think there's a certain amount of realness that I wish we could all have with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes you a safer person for other people. Mm -hmm. If you're just, this is who I am. Yep. I it love also that about helps you. you to all learn maybe who you don't want to let in also if you have a certain amount of that transparency it can allow you to kind of also see how people respond to it and maybe make some um discernments about how much more do I want to let this person in or are they a person to be close to me and I think that's an important lesson for all of us to learn um what's important in life and who's important in life mm -hmm. who's um who's safe to be around um so you've become a safe person for a lot of people. Before we turn the mics on, you were telling me about that. You want to talk about why that was important to you? Safe person for a lot of people. <laughs> we'll take a minute here and I'll refresh your memory. Um, <laughs> I when, mean, when your kids were there and they brought their friends home and then that was a safe place for them. You know, I don't even know that I was thinking of it in any other way, but I wanted my home to be a place. I guess, let me rewind a bit. When I was growing up, um, I didn't have friends, and we didn't have friends in our home. No one was coming over. Birthdays were not celebrated with any of your friends. You didn't. I did have some social life, but it was at school, and I attended sort of school events. But growing up, it was something I longed for. And I do think I love to entertain. Me too. Um, I love to have people and, you know, feed them and laugh with them. And it's maybe where I get some of the greatest joys in my life. However, when it, so when my kids are that age and they were growing up, I just wanted it to be a place. I wanted them to have all these experiences I didn't have. I wanted them to have um, exposure to what, you know, I just wanted my home to be the place where all the kids wanted to come. And in turn, and I don't think I fully understood this until maybe the last few years actually, but being someone who had such a traumatic childhood um gave me insight um maybe on how to love on them now I didn't always do it perfect I'm, I mean I don't want to make myself sound like I was like you know there were a halo over me and wings and music and gold lights there's <laughs> nothing like that it was very messy sometimes and I have always I've had to apologize to kids sometimes for being like maybe that wasn't the best advice or 
maybe I, because a couple, I had a few who have lived with me for a while. And in those situations where I was more parenting but not parenting, there were moments where I was like, okay, so that didn't work. What can we figure out? Um, but I hoped in that I also showed them, like, it's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, things like that. I, I just wanted for my children to have a different experience. And somehow that opened my doors for other people to come in. For especially young people so that sometimes I look back though and think man I could have done that three or four times better you know in hindsight but at the time I hoped what they got was mostly feeling loved on and valued I feel confident that happened <laughs> you know and and you know as a parent um we can only be as good as we know how to be um and it's through mistakes and failures mm-hmm. that we learn to do better and so that we can be better. So um, God bless the people that we tried to love, even imperfectly. And um, It was such an important thing to me because I grew up in a home where adults were right, always right, always perfect, um, regardless of what had happened. And there was, I had some knowledge this was wrong. So it's one of the things that especially my daughter will say to me, she will say, you were always saying you were sorry. Mm. And I thought, okay, well, that makes, you know, I feel good about that, actually. That's a thing I can look back on and think, okay, I wasn't perfect. It was messy, but I owned it. Yeah. I think that's something that, I mean, I would just love to see everybody yes. <laughs> be doing that, yes. that actually. I think it's really easy to love people who own their mistakes and who are sorry for them and to love you and stick with you and you're doing those things. You did those things and that's part of the reason I love you. So all of those things kind of come together Mm -hmm. in this wonderful business that you've started called Trauma Bakes. Tell Mm -hmm. me how that how that began. Your love of cooking, your love of being around people, of making people happy, of dealing with your own trauma, like in this perfect convergence. Tell us the story. Well, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the end. No, just kidding. Not the um, best and the worst of all of us. It really was such an interesting time. And during this time, I had, um, there was a traumatic situation in my life playing out. So in addition to these sort of um, kind of group trauma we all were experiencing together and still are. Yes. Um, I had an additional situation and honestly, it's interesting. I keep hearing there were a lot of people that it wasn't just this. It was like everything was unearthing during this time. And so I'm having a day and I'm in a group chat with my daughter and her best friend. And I'm then, I don't know. I just was kind of had my little bub on and I had some attitude and I sent him and I was like, you know what? Because I've been thinking about baking and being in a business for a while. I said, I know what I'm gonna name this thing. I'm gonna name it Trauma Bakes. And I started spewing off names of dishes. I I think one of them was Flying Monkey Bread. (laughs) I I said, I'm gonna make Flying Monkey Bread because (laughs) Flying Monkeys is a term that's used um, to describe a behavior with um, narcissistic abuse with the abuser. Um, And so I just thought, I'm gonna use Flying Monkey Bread and I, all of a sudden, my mind's gone blank, of course, but like uh, boundary-free brownies. And I was just throwing terms, and and they were like, oh, I, I was saying it fully sarcastically. I meant this as a joke. I was just, it was kind of a way to vent, make fun of things. And immediately, both of them, 
oh my gosh, no, you have to do this. And I thought, no, this is crazy. So I, um, I had an appointment with a therapist because <laughs> people <laughs> because with trauma, trauma need them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I had an appointment with my therapist and I was like, you have to hear this crazy idea. I think you'll get a kick out of it. And I told her and she looked at me and was like, oh my gosh, you really have to do this. Please do this. And so I was like, okay. And I was very scared. I thought people are going to think somebody's going to be offended. Someone else is going to think this is so tacky. Someone else is just going to be like, you know, they're going to be put off by it and not pay any attention. And I've had really lovely responses and people have said I've connected with people in the trauma community. Um, and they've had really wonderful responses. I've got to figure out shipping because I have people in different parts of the country that have been so kind and shared with me. And I just think, and they want to buy things, but I'm like, ah, one woman. (laughs) It's still COVID. (laughs) Shipping's a nightmare, so. (laughs) That's why I'm still dealing with my own trauma. But um, I just decided to do it because they were like, oh, hey, it's so funny. You should give it a go. And I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) I love it. I love how that idea was born. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back in just a moment with more of Karen's story about trauma bakes. Karen said some hard things that helped shape her life. Can I ask you to do some easy things to help shape the life of Now I See? If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. The hardest part about leaving a rating and review, so I'm told, is finding a commenter name that hasn't already been taken. But like Karen, I trust that you will come up with a clever title too. A quick way to find out more about Karen Clark and the Trauma Bakes Dessert Shop is to visit our site at nis.media for all the links, show notes, and blogs. While you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and catch up on any episodes and blogs you may have missed, like last week's conversation with Kathy Andrews, who survived two brain surgeries. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe for our upcoming episodes, like the one that's airing next week with Tina Davis, the shocking rescue of baby Athena, and the surprising path their lives have taken. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the shows we bring you each week, so leave us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Now, back to our show. Before the break, we were talking with Karen Clark about the path that led to the creation of her dessert shop, Trauma Bakes, and some of the menu items available for purchase. I'm dying to try the flying monkey bread. Who doesn't love warm, soft dough balls covered in cinnamon and sugar? What else have you got for us, Karen? Well, right now... Some of the things that we have are, um, <laughs> we have she the laughs before she even says, this is so much fun. Yeah. We have love bomb cookies, which, um, <laughs> love bombing is something in a toxic relationship that where they're, um, reaching out to you, 
um, by showering you with really good, great feeling things. So you'll feel wonderful while you do it. And these cookies are delicious and you will feel wonderful while you eat them. Good. Um, <laughs> I've got the Hoover cookies, which <laughs> Hoovering is a tactic where, um, maybe someone's pulled back from the relationship, but they want you back in. So they, again, do things to reach out to suck you back in. There you go. Well, these cookies <laughs> are so good that you're like, I don't need to eat another cookie, but they're so tasty. You can't help yourself. And they suck you back in. <laughs> I might need some hoovering cookies. So, and then I'm going to have different things. I sort of have lines of things. Like I have self-care loaves because I love bread and I also make sourdough. So, um, I just gave it a whole category for them to fall under because I can't, as much as I'd love to, I can't find a creative name related to trauma for everything. And I'm glad for that, actually. Yes. Um, and I also have, um, I love uh, afternoon tea. And so I have a whole line of like tea cakes that I want to create, but I'll just, I just introduce them here and there, like different ones. But no they're the spill trauma. the tea. No trauma and tea. Don't ruin There's it for no me. Tra- well, it's the spill the tea. Oh, spill the tea. But cakes. you can use some of these smear campaign spreads and jams at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you and I also have scones under that spill the tea line because I love a scone. I am obsessed with all things afternoon tea. So that definitely you'll see different products come through. So was that before or after your daughter moved to England? That was after. Yes. Once I experienced it and also had scone with clotted cream and jam, (gasps) I've never been the same. It's just, I find it to be one of the most amazing experiences. And even just the process of having tea in the afternoon, you don't have to have the big spread, just having the tea or coffee and giving yourself 15 or 20 minutes um, and something sweet to have is just, I think it's just a great way to kind of help and reset yourself to kind of take on the rest of the day before you get to wind down for in the evening after dinner and everything. I say wind so. down. In mid-afternoon, I'm gearing up for second shift. you got to get yeah, dinner that, on the so table. That, and, you do yeah. that, then you can carry through, sure. and then you make it through sure. dinner, and then you're like, okay, now <sighs> I can yes. breathe. Yes, I agree. But, um, yeah, and so through the holidays, people-pleasing pies, I had those. <laughs> I'm sure there's some are going to come back for the spring. And one of my favorite, it's actually my husband's favorite cookie. And it, to me, tastes like, if you love sort of that cinnamon, clovey, winter flavor, it tastes like the holidays to me, are the family gathering cookies. And I just one day was like, oh my gosh, I've been making these, creating this recipe and tweaking it for years. And I was like, what am I going to name this? And I was like, family gathering cookies, because it's got flakes, nuts, and a little bit fruity, kind of like a family gathering. (laughs) And everyone can relate. So, I mean, there's more and we're... I'm constantly, I'm creating a lot of new things to put out. So for Valentine's Day, I'll have things specific to Valentine's Day. Not all of them will have fun names because as creative as some of this is, there are, there are limits. <laughs> we don't want anyone's Valentine's Day to be traumatic. No, we just want it to be full of love and happiness. Yes, yeah, so, so let's shoot for that. I'm introducing a lot of things like that through the next week or two to order for Valentine's Day, and I'll have a certain amount of slots open. And then um, I am going to do, even though I don't really celebrate it, but I just don't feel like there's never a bad idea, bad time to have a brioche bread that's filled with mm. cinnamon and icing. I'm going to have king cakes this month, too. Oh, fun. So, yeah. I don't know much about Mardi Gras. I just know there's, this is the kind of person I am. It's I just know there's up. bread 
and icing and cinnamon sugar. So <laughs> and that's party, all I need to know. A party atmosphere is certainly plenty yes. of things to enjoy <laughs> and laugh at. So. It's funny because I'm like, I don't know anything about how this is celebrated because I just haven't had the opportunity. But there's cake. Okay, I'm in. Um, so what's your favorite thing to bake? What do you like to do when you're just in the kitchen and you don't have any orders? You just want to get your hands in the dough. It probably goes with whatever my mood is. I love making cookies. I, they're kind of easy for me to, to whip out, but I also love bread. I love the way the house smells when bread is in the oven. (laughs) Whether it's sourdough or, um, a yeast, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of Mm -hmm. baker's yeast bread. I just love the feel of it and working with it. And it, I don't know what it is. I talk to my bread. My daughter has been for years giving me a hard time that I'm not okay. (laughs) Then she saw Jennifer Garner in a video one day, one of her, I don't remember what they're called, but she has these cute cooking videos out. And she was making bread and sitting down and looking at the window, talking to it. And she's like, okay, mom, you're not the only one. Yes. Vindication. And so I was like, yes, <laughs> it's a lot. It's alive. You have to talk to it. It needs love to grow. So. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And I love the way the house smells when things yes. are in the oven. I love a warm kitchen. Um, I love what happens when people gather to enjoy the things that yes. I baked for them. And, um, no matter where anybody is in the house, as soon as ding, the timer goes exactly. off, people come running into the kitchen. There's, and even though it's too hot to touch, they're all just salivating, waiting for that moment. It's, it's true. It and it's so just good. so gratifying to have yeah. this like fresh baked, delicious. I don't know. It feels experience, like experiential. It's not just like I grabbed a cookie from the pantry because I wanted a cookie. It feels bigger than that to me. It just feels more special. Well, that certainly goes with your um, joy of bringing people together and uh, being creative and being resourceful. So I see how all these things come together. So people are probably salivating just thinking about some of the recipes that you're, you've been talking about and some of the funny names that you've given them. Where can people find your products? I'm on Instagram. I have an Instagram page. I'm just at trauma.bakes. And that's where I post all of the pictures of everything that I'm posting. I also have a Facebook page. If you look it up, you can look at Trauma Bakes by Karen, and you should be able to pull up the page. And again, everything's posted there. And um, With pictures. Yes, with pictures. Because, well, I feel like you, I wouldn't want to buy something I haven't seen first. Your sourdough bread with the heart on it is beautiful. Oh, thank you. How did you come up with that idea? Uh, there's just so many, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, there are so many amazing bakers out there on the internet that for inspiration. So, um, I just decided to score it that way. Sourdough is so fun because you have to score it in order to have it rise properly, but, um, you can be so creative with it and it's a little bit exciting when it turns out like you want it to because it's definitely got a mind of its own. So you can score it beautifully, bake it, and then it comes out and you're like, well, it still looks delicious, but slightly strange. And then it's just always like a gamble. The moment you take the lid off, uh, if you're baking it in sort of a Dutch oven, the moment you take the lid off, it's this big surprise. So I just thought, well, I should do a little heart for Valentine's Day because that would be cute. Um, Because it is nice just around those holidays to have something sort of themed to eat. I am a big <laughs> fan of theme parties, so I am right there with so. you. Um, all right. Well, as we close out the show today, is there anything that you would like 
people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation. And we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about trauma. We've talked about um, being safe. We've talked about therapy. We've talked about baking therapy. We've talked about laughing uh, in the face of um, trial and challenge. What would you like to say to our listeners today? I think especially we've all become, we've all had this collective trauma. And so I think it's more important than ever to be intentional about how to find joy in our life and um, to celebrate even when it's can feel like the biggest train wreck. Um, so for me, um, obviously baking is something that brings me joy and I feel it's a creative process for me and the reward at the end of what I've accomplished. I think it's great for every, I mean, not everybody's going to want to bake, but I think it's great for everybody to try to go out and figure out what that is. If I'm doing that for myself. And then of course, part of the joy of that baking is having that reward for myself. I, maybe it's not the same thing, but carving out 15 or 20 minutes for yourself to just sort of reset yourself during the day, whether you journal, whether you have a cup of tea and a treat, um, even if you're just in quiet, I think it's really, really important these days more than ever because we have noise everywhere to um, do that for yourself. Uh, I know some days it's just, like it feels like just survival and you don't, you don't have tomorrow guaranteed. You don't have three weeks guaranteed. So if you can find even just some small nugget in every day, um, I, that's what I'm trying to do. Try to have a laugh every day, every day, multiple times actually, but <laughs> at least once. Right. So, um, uh, I think it's just really important right now. I think it's important. We didn't really talk about this, but I think it's important that we're being kind to each other because we're all going uh -huh. through this at the same time. Um, there seems to be just a lot of ugliness out there online, especially and hate. And, um, I think when you see somebody in the store, um, even if you've got a mask on smile, your eyes change, um, thank people, hold doors for people and just acknowledge them. Because I also think we felt so isolated during this time that those little acknowledgements that you get, whether it's just a nod from someone, they matter right now. Um, because I just think there's not anyone that hasn't been affected in some way and isn't struggling to feel really alive and excited about life right now. So one of the things that I hear you saying is that by finding a way to be kind and by finding an outlet um, that, that brings you joy, you're kind of giving yourself some control in a situation where things are mostly out of control. I mean, we can't control COVID. We can't control the shutdowns. We can't control what's happening politically or at our borders. We can't control what other people are thinking or saying, but there are things we can control. We can control um, making things for other people and giving them joy. We can control what happens in our own kitchens. We can control our time. 
um, and how we choose to use it. And I hear that when you make time for yourself, when you um, value other people, when you give them gifts, you know, giving somebody a cookie is a huge kindness. (laughs) (laughs) And so just um, making opportunities for that, creating opportunities for that, put some control back in your corner when everything else seems to be out of control. Yes. It's really important to um, make that a priority for yourself. Make yourself a priority in the day because we need to be thinking about others. We need to be caring about others, but we have to be able to be in a place where we can do it. And if we're not taking control of at least that aspect of our lives, we're not going to be able to do it well. Well, I am so glad that you found this way to do it and that you're sharing it with the rest of us. So thank you for starting Trauma Bakes and thank you for (laughs) trusting me with your story today. I've so enjoyed our conversation. And listeners, if you have enjoyed this conversation, you can find out more about Karen by visiting our website. The links for her um, products and her business will be available to you there, as well as contact information in case you want to continue this conversation with her. Thanks, Karen, for being our guest today. Thank you so much. I was so glad to be here. Yay. Thanks. Listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.